Well, thank you, Shannon, and the praise team. Uh, beautiful music this morning, preparing our hearts for worship, and also to our sound team and, uh, and all of the folks back in this corner who manage everything from sound to slides to uh, cameras uh, so that we can share service with our congregation who's worshiping from home. So uh, thank you all for your contributions to the worship service this morning. I also want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. I'm glad that uh, you've been wished that already, but uh, for our mothers especially, we want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. I want you to think back with me to last Sunday morning. If you were here, you were probably enjoying worship about this time, thinking about the music and uh, listening to a challenging message. I was. Uh, you might have let your mind wander. You might have thought back a little bit to uh, what's going on in the week ahead. I was. Uh, you probably were not thinking that Pastor Sam would catch you in the uh, narthex and ask you to preach next Sunday. <laughs> Neither did I. Uh, so I have some advice for you when Pastor Sam comes up to you and says, I have something I want you to pray about. My advice is run. <clears throat> I'm quite sure I was not Pastor Sam's first choice as a Mother's Day speaker today. In fact, I know that for sure because he had asked two ladies who are both pastors and both mothers uh, if they were able to speak, but uh, they were not available today. So that was one hint. Uh, the other hint is that I'm just an old guy who probably doesn't have a clue as to what it's like to be a mother, uh, so I'm here speaking on Mother's Day. But I get my information from people like comedian Jim Gaffigan. He described what it's like to raise multiple children by saying, imagine that you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. <laughs> he said this after his fourth child was born. Even though I have not uh, don't have first-hand experience of being a mother, I've been around some extraordinary women uh, who have demonstrated some terrific qualities. They are women who have created a legacy of selflessness, loving care for others, who have raised responsible and productive children, who have kept their homes and marriages intact, who have contributed to the quality of their neighborhoods and their communities, and have faithfully served the Lord and his kingdom. I may not be a mother, but I've had the privilege of observing women who managed motherhood with grace. I not only had a mother who I consider to be the best, uh, a, an excellent example of motherhood, but I've also been married to the mother of our children for 46 years, and witnessed the lengths to which she would go to make sure that our children and the children within her sphere were nurtured and blessed by her love. Motherhood is a special role. The role is often balanced with work, both in the home and in workplaces. Some mothers do not have the emotional or financial support of a spouse. This morning I was listening to a news report, uh, and they were interviewing an agency that helps uh, mothers who are raising children alone. And they said that in Columbus, 40% of households are led by a single woman. Some grandmothers have to step into the role of being mother uh, when their uh, grandchildren's mother is unable to fulfill that role. So mothers carry a heavy load. 
So it's appropriate that we set aside a day like today to honor our mothers and to recognize them for all that they do for us, the impact that they've had on our lives and the lives of the next generation. The modern holiday was first celebrated in 1907 when Anna Jarvis held the first Mother's Day service of worship at Andrews Methodist Episcopal Church in Grafton, West Virginia. It was not yet a national holiday, but she had been pushing for it to become one. Her campaign to make Mother's Day a recognized holiday in the United States began in 1905, the year that her mother, Anne Reeves Jarvis, passed away. Anne Reeves Jarvis had been a peace activist who cared for wounded soldiers on both sides of the American Civil War. She created Mother's Day work clubs to address public health issues in communities. She and another peace activist and suffragette, Julia Ward Howe, had been urging for the creation of Mother's Day for Peace, where mothers would ask that their husbands and sons no longer be killed in wars. Julia Ward Howe made a Mother's Day proclamation that she published in 1870. It called upon mothers of all nationalities to band together to promote, and I quote, the amicable settlement of international questions, the great and general interests of peace. It was still another 44 years before Mother's Day would become an official holiday. So Anna Jarvis, the daughter, wanted to honor her mother's work and the work of Julia Ward Howe by setting aside a day of honor for all mothers because she believed that a mother is, quote, the person who has done more for you than anyone in the world. In 1914, Congress passed and President Woodrow Wilson signed legislation making the second Sunday of May Mother's Day in the United States of America. Many countries around the world celebrate a special day when they focus on motherhood. We, often, or we always look to scripture for wisdom when we need uh, knowledge and direction. So I look to the Bible, but I found that it does not specifically focus on motherhood. There are many scriptures address, addressing fatherhood, but nowhere in the Bible does it instruct a woman on how to be a good mother. My assumption is that fathers need more help. This is evidenced by another statement by the comedian Jim Gaffigan uh, when he said, I don't know what's more exhausting about parenting than getting up early or acting like I know what I'm doing. This is a curious thing that mothers are not focused on in Scripture, uh, especially knowing that during Bible times, women were expecting to be mothers. That was a major role for them. Uh, but we can learn from the Bible about mothers. We can learn from the women of the Bible about the characteristics that were admired, respected, and emulated. According to author and speaker Danielle Burnock, uh, in addition to giving birth, attributes connected to motherhood are commonly seen as comforting, nurturing, gathering, and guiding. 
And she goes on to point out that all of these are an expression of the image of God. The scriptures have analogies that draw on the themes of motherhood. My commentary states that unlike the gods of Israel's neighboring countries, God was not viewed as being male or female. But we do know that in scripture, God is often described in the Bible using feminine metaphors. In Isaiah 66, 13, it says, As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you, and you will be, and you will be comforted in Jerusalem. Psalms 131.2 says, But I have learned to feel safe and satisfied like a young child in its mother's arms. We know that Jesus, in a lament over Jerusalem, said in Luke 13.34, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Even though there are no specific instructions for women on being mothers uh, in the Bible, uh, we have numerous examples of women, though, who were followers of God and faithful in their responsibilities. And we would consider them to be good mothers. Uh, the first example I'd like to share with you is Joachabed, the mother of Moses. We hear far more about her son than we do about her. But her role deserves highlighting. Moses was born when the Israelites were slaves. And in Egypt, the Pharaoh was killing baby boys. And Moses' mother, probably at great risk to herself, strategized a way to keep her young son alive. Because Joachabed hid her baby boy in the river in a basket that was found by Pharaoh's daughter, he was not killed. Instead, he grew up and was used by God to deliver the nation of Israel. Another mo mother that we can emulate is Hannah, the mother of Samuel. You recall that before he was born, she had been barren and asked God for many years to give her a child. She went to the temple and cried out to the Lord, and he gave her Samuel. Her gratitude led to, to a sacrifice that is almost inconceivable, at least in my mind. This gratitude led her to sacrifice the joy of raising this boy herself because she took him to the priest Eli for service in the temple. And the scripture says that Hannah said to Eli, Pardon me, my Lord, but surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, was described along with her husband as being righteous before God and living blamelessly before all the commandments and the regulations of the Lord. Probably the greatest example is Mary, the mother of Jesus. In Luke 1.28, we read that the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored, greetings, favored one. Two, script, two verses later, the angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary, 
for you have found favor with God. Wouldn't you like to put that on your resume? Hey, I have a reference from the creator of the world. But Mary responded to this overwhelming pronouncement. Can you imagine being awakened in the middle of the night, told that your life would be altered, that you might be reviled by people around you because of God's will in your life? And what did she say? Here am I, a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary exemplified the ultimate commitment of obedience and devotion. Next is one of my favorite sections of this message. It's advice from men of the Bible. Now, men, I ought to talk to you for a moment before we delve into this area. Uh, Advice to our wives, or any women for that matter, needs to be considered carefully. Um, I know that uh, uh, I'm probably the greatest offender. Um, In fact, I have a hint as to why that might be. Our daughter gave my wife a book called... Uh, Let's see if I can find it here. Men to Avoid in Art and in Life. The whole book is pictures of famous paintings with snide subtitles by the author uh, talking about the men in the picture giving advice to the women in the picture. So anyway, uh, we probably need to be very careful in offering advice to our wives and to uh, any women. But... The men who wrote advice to women in scripture probably bathed that advice in prayer and felt the leading of the Holy Spirit before they entered that area of tre- with trepidation. But Peter wrote in 1 Peter 3, 4, uh, by saying, let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and, ki- uh, and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious. Let me read that again. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. We know that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Oh, but one thing I forgot to point out is this was not directed just at the women in Corinth. It was directed to everyone. Love is love does not envy or boast. It's patient and kind. It is not arrogant or rude does not insist on its own way. Advice for all of us. There's actually some advice for men in the Bible evoking the women in their lives. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.5 by saying, "Um, I I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. Written by a man to a man, but evoking the wisdom and influence of his mother. 
Paul wrote, to, or I'm sorry, Peter wrote to the church in Jerusalem saying, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. The apostle Paul wrote to Titus about the role of mature women in the congregation. He said, they are to teach what is good and to train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. And we know elsewhere there is advice to, the, to husbands that we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And so therefore this mutual submission becomes the, uh, a, a strong bond uh, in the marriage relationship. As we consider the women written about in the Bible, we begin to see the pattern of fulfilling the law that Jesus talked about. Mothers are not revered for being disciplinarians or for making sure that their children do everything just right, although I'm sure that's high on their priority list. We do revere them for loving and caring for their own children and for the children in their care. We know that love is the nourishment that enables healthy growth. I had the privilege of eulogizing my mother about six weeks ago. She passed away in November and we held her memorial service on March the 26th. I talked about the things that she did as a mother, as a pastor's wife, as a worker in her community. She did many things that built up her family, her marriage, her neighborhood, her community. But it was not the things that she did that made her the person we adored. It was her heart, her heart for people, that prompted her to do those things, which motivated people to admire and love her and desire to emulate her. In fact, the reason that Pastor Sam asked me to speak today was because of what I had said about my mother. He described her as a Proverbs 31 woman. Proverbs 31. I wasn't sure I knew what that, what that said. So I read it at the first opportunity, and the first verse starts by saying, The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. Now, we don't know anything about King Lemuel. He's not mentioned anywhere else in the scriptures. We can't find him in the history books. But the wisdom that he shared from his mother was so important that the contributors to this wisdom literature felt like it needed to be included. And, and so we find uh, important advice. In fact, the first part of this oracle that King Lemuel shared from his mother actually talks to leaders and people in positions of responsibility. And I thought it was so important, even though this is not directed at mothers, even though more and more we are seeing women in leadership roles. I felt like it was important for us all to hear what his mother taught him about leadership. She told him it is not for kings to become intoxicated because they will forget the needs of those who are perishing or are in bitter distress. She went on to instruct that uh, leaders need to speak out for those who cannot speak and to speak for the rights of the destitute. Speak out and judge righteously. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. I think uh, important advice for us all. But then she went on to talk about identifying what my, what my Bible describes as 
a capable wife. Now I thought, capable? That seems like kind of a minimum bar, doesn't it? Uh, so I looked in other, other Bibles, and uh, my, my other Bible, that was actually belonged to my father, said uh, she I was identifying the wife of noble character. Now, I like that better. I think that comes more closely to describing what King Lemuel's mother went on to say about the woman that he should seek out. She described her as being more precious than jewels. She said that she gains the trust of her husband and she does him good all the days of her life. She works and manages the home and demonstrates wisdom in business. The scripture actually says she considers a field and buys it. It goes on at a later verse to say that she sees that her merchandise is profitable. This woman looks after the needy and is generous with the poor. Strength and dignity are her clothing. She opens her mouth with wisdom and teaches kindness. And then she concludes by saying, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So I want to close today by talking to you about a few things about my mother. Not to hold her up as a perfect example, she would be the first to admit that she was not. But here's what I, uh, here are a few of the thoughts that I shared in my mother's eulogy. <clears throat> Mom translated her love of people and her love for God into her profession. She worked for an agency that provided guardianship for mentally challenged people in Ohio's state institutions. She traveled about a third of the state checking in on her clients to make sure that they were receiving the care that they needed. And she provided consent for medical treatment for people in her charge. She cared passionately about the people in her care and about her colleagues. Mom and dad befriended an evangelist. His name was Warren Rogers. I remember him well. Dad brought him to his white churches even though Reverend Rogers was black. Many white people in those mostly or com completely white communities changed their attitudes of peop about people of color because of the ministry of Warren Rogers. He, he became a beloved figure in those churches. My parents felt that it was a necessary step in the spiritual development of their parishioners to learn how to love people different from themselves. Even in mom's later years, she was very consistent in her life of devotion. Every evening when my sisters would visit, mom would initiate Bible reading and prayer. When mom could no longer read scripture for herself, she asked her care companions to read the Bible and to pray with her. Mom often felt, particularly in those later years, that she was no longer contributing. However, her sweet spirit and faithful prayer life touched the people around her. When she could not always recall her children's names, she would tell me almost daily that she prayed for her children and their spouses, our pastor and his family, and the church. I believe that God honored her steadfast prayers. After a few days in the hospital this last time, 
Mom was slipping even deeper into confusion and dementia. She did not know where she was and struggled to know her family members. However, there were times when she expressed her deep feelings and concerns for other people. While my younger sister, Marcia, was feeding mom some pears, you know, those little diced up pears that people who can hardly eat can still tolerate, mom started talking about the people who were hungry. After a few bites, mom said to Marcia, if there isn't enough food, share mine. Her great heart of compassion stayed with her to the end. Her most urgent desire was to share God's love wherever she found herself in God's world. At this point, I'd like the praise team to uh, come and join me again on on the platform. While they're coming, I just want to say that I shared these personal remembrances not to set my mother up as a paragon of virtue, but to encourage especially the women who hear this so that you know how the mundane routine responsibilities of life add up. They may be insignificant in themselves, but over a lifetime, they become a mirror of what you value. They record your priorities. They impact the lives of those around you, especially your children and grandchildren. But your lives impact your community in ways ways that cannot be uh, measured. I think really that the best advice that I can give to mothers, in fact all women, all women who serve the Lord, is taken from Galatians 6.9. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap a harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers and to all you women whose compassion has reflected the love of Jesus with those around you. Have a blessed day. And before we go, I'd like to read that scripture verse again from Galatians that says, So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap a harvest time if we do not give up. So then, Whenever we have the opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those of the family of faith. Thank you. You are dismissed.